Thank you guys. I wish the choir would sing that song one more time. Beautiful job, beautiful words, and most of you look okay too. It's a good looking bunch. I'm proud of you. I'm thankful for you. Um, lead us in worship every week, and uh, you always uh, tell things that are true, uh, that are straight from Scripture, and that go with us when we leave here. And so uh, praise the Lord for you guys. We're going to be today looking um, in the books of Matthew and 1 Corinthians. And so if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn there. As we honor something that God told us to do, Jesus told us to do uh, before his death, he left these instructions with us uh, that we would do this until he comes again. And in fact, not only then would it end, but that we would eat this supper, as it were, with him again in what Jesus called his father's kingdom. That is eternity. And so this was the day that he was betrayed, that he first uh, began to do this with his disciples. And he commanded those who belonged to him uh, throughout the ages to continue doing this, to remember him, to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And we'll be doing this together for all eternity. And so today we're going to take a look at these last moments of Jesus' life as he met with his apostles, disciples there in what we call that upper room. This happened on Thursday. And so this is Holy Week, if you will. And so we move through this last week of Jesus' life leading up to Resurrection Sunday, a week from today. And what we're going to focus on today happened on Thursday. In the evening time, the time when they would have taken the Passover meal, on Thursday night, uh, the disciples were gathered with Jesus in a room with a table, with food, with light from whatever source, flickering candles or lanterns or lamps, some source of light up there. And in just a few hours, he would be arrested. Jesus was arrested on Thursday around midnight. You could call it Friday if you want. But he was arrested around midnight on Thursday, and he knew this was coming. And so in the moments we're going to be looking at here in a second, uh, Jesus knows, say at 6 or 7 o'clock, he's got five hours left before he's arrested, before he will be taken to be tried and crucified. On Friday morning, Good Friday that we call it, uh, he was crucified around what we would say 9 a.m., around 9 o'clock in the morning, Jesus was crucified, and he died around 3 p.m. that same day. And so as you go through this week, especially as you approach Thursday, I hope it will spring into your mind, hey, uh, we read about Thursday. And hey, when I get off work today, they're preparing to take the Last Supper together. And when we are turning off the TV for the night, Jesus is being arrested in the garden. When you wake up the next morning, in just an hour or so, crucified. 3 p.m., he breathed his last. An hour before you get off work, maybe. You're planning for the dinner that night. Jesus breathed his, he yielded, the Bible says, up his spirit. No one took it from him. Jesus yielded his life. He was laid three days in a tomb. And then he raised again forevermore. And so that's where we're at today. We're looking at this uh, together of, of what they did and what we're going to do. And so in Matthew 26, the Bible speaks of this. 
It speaks of what Jesus did with his disciples, and then it's recounted in 1 Corinthians 11, and we're going to read both. If you don't have a Bible with you, these words will be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible in your life, we have some on the table in the back for you. We don't want anybody leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word in your life, and those are there at no cost to you, just a gift from our heart to yours. Verse 20, when it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. That's a, a way of manner of speaking. It's missing something, an article there, the. We wish it said the, he reclined at the table, but reclining at table uh, is a phrase uh, that, that implied relaxation, familiarity, comfort. They're finished eating, and hey, guess what? You know, he recline, they're reclining at the table. And they did. They, would, they were familiar with each other. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, why? For the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll start in the latter part of verse 23. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he betrayed, was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So today we repeat this, uh, we proclaim the Lord's death together today, that Jesus, the eternal Son of God, left, left his rightful throne room in heaven. He came and walked our dirt and submitted himself to the hands of sinful and angry men to be crucified, pierced with nails to a wooden tree, a cross of his own design, of his own creation, and he hung there until he was dead. He yielded up his spirit, and he did so for the forgiveness of our sins. What kind of table is this we gather around today? Let's look at three things about this really quickly. We gather this morning, church, around a personal table. This is a personal table. If anything, we don't want to miss here is the intimacy of this moment with the Lord Jesus. I mean, he could have done it. He could have just passed along instructions or, or written out a, a sheet, right, and left it for him. He did something very dramatic here. He gathered them around in the warmth of a room and the glow of that light around a, a meal, a nourishing meal. There's emotion, there's drama, there's friendship, there's closeness. Jesus wanted them close with him in that moment. He wants us close with him today. This is an exercise that Jesus could have uh, conveyed to us some other way. But he draws us around the table to draw close, to, almost face-to-face -face with the Lord Jesus. He says in Luke that he earnestly desires to eat this meal with them. 
And the words earnestly and desire are the same word. It means he desired desirously. And here's, what, here's the exact meaning of this word in the original Greek language, fierceness. I, I fiercely f- fierce you. I mean, I, I, I desire fiercely uh, to, be in, to eat this meal with you. Yearning. The word means heat, like a boiling, uh, a panting, a rage, a craving, a longing. And of the 38 times this is used in the New Testament, 32 times it means lust, a negative connotation. But you get the point here. This is a, 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 a from within, a desire, a yearning. I mean, it's extreme. It's, it's a heat. It's fierce. It's rage. It's panting. Uh, this uh, is a very human emotion. I mean, he earnestly desires to eat this meal with them, to draw them into his presence as he's about to go to the cross. This is his love for them. We don't understand a lot of times agape love, this love of God which does things we can't imagine, which forgives to to degrees that are beyond us in our humanity. But we understand this love, don't we? We understand being far from someone and longing for them. We understand losing a loved one and thinking, God, I wish I could talk to him one more time. We understand this type. This is a very human love, a very human emotion. Not that Jesus was subject to it, but that its emotion did rise up in him. My stepdad passed away since we moved here just about three, I guess, three or so years ago, maybe less than that. We had a a topsy-turvy relationship very topsy-turvy in all seriousness I could tell you about it one day but in our later life we came became closer to each other uh, and he came down to visit us every Christmas here in in Georgia brought the kids presents stay for a few hours and he would leave and one of the last times he was with us he said hey come in here for a second I want to talk to you and he pulled out something in his pack and it was a leather-bound, soft leather kind of folded thing. And he untied the leather straps and he unfolded each side of it. And inside were little slots filled with pocket knives. Some of them were nice. Some of them were just things he had collected along the way. But it went back through his whole life. And he said, I want you to have this collection of mine. I don't know if he, Bob might have known he was near the end of his life. I don't know. But he said in those moments, he said, here, I want you to have this. It was very intimate. It was very personal. He drew me in. That's what the Lord Jesus is doing here today with you and me. This is not an exercise. This is not just a ritual. This is not just something that we're doing to to get it over with because, hey, after all, from time to time, we've got to do this. This is the Savior. This is the Lord Jesus, and he has extended to you an invitation to draw into the closeness and the warmth of the room today and to do something special and to take in place before us and unfold his magnificent love to show us on display exactly what we mean to him, the marvel of his love as he makes a gift of his life for our salvation. Come on in here for a second.
Let me just show you the bread broken for you. Let me just show you the cup spilled for you. I want you to, I want you to have this. Don't miss that. This is an intimate time with Jesus. It's a personal table. Don't let it go by otherwise. We gather around a personal table, but we gather around a partaker's table. See, this is not just something that we receive intellectually. Uh, this is something we're supposed to experience and to, to take in. Jesus did not do this as merely a demonstration. What did he do? He put the elements into their hands. And he told them to take them into their bodies. This is a partaker's table. The salvation here is to be taken in. It's meant to be a part of us. Not for us just to come around it and notice it, see it. Not for us just to see the bread broken and say, yeah, oh yeah, we, we kind of we get that in our minds. This is for us to take in. You're to be a partaker today. I have this in my office. Somebody gave this to me. It's a giant Hershey's Kiss. I've had it in there for maybe a couple years, maybe a year and a half, I don't know. I just keep it because it's kind of neat, you know. It's a big Hershey's Kiss, you know. I've never seen one that big. I saw one at Cracker Barrel once. I take that back. But it's like 25 bucks. I was like, nah, you know. Uh, somebody gave this to me. I sit it in there, and guess what? Every child that comes in there notices it. What do you think they say to me about that kiss? They say, what are you doing with that? I say, somebody gave it to me. Why is it here, you know? Are you going to, what, eat it? I'm like, no, I'm just going to keep it here on my shelf. I think it's neat. They look at me with hatred in their eyes. <laughs> It, it totally blows their mind you know, that, that, that that's not even a possibility, that it shouldn't be a possibility uh, that someone would, would have something like this, kids, and not what? Take it in. Now, here's the picture of, of this day. Uh, it, it ought to blow anyone's mind who is able to see what Jesus has done for us, who's able to get, man, this bread, he took it and he broke it. It was his body he was breaking for us. He, he spilled his blood for us. He did it for us. Somebody ought not to be able to look at our lives and see that just sitting up on a shelf next to Grandma's Bible. Say, what's that doing here? Why haven't you made it a part of who you are? That's what we're here to do today. We gather around a partaker's table we are to take this in when we take this bread into our mouth and we feel it crushing in our jaws it's a reminder we had a part in breaking the body of the lord jesus you have a i have a part in that it was because of my sin that he was broken and it was on my behalf for my salvation that he was broken and we take these elements we put them in us and we crunch that and we remember Oh, God, it was me. The bread tells us the story. The cup tells us the story. 
I imagine Jesus there breaking the bread and he take, took the cup. It doesn't say this, but I imagine him pouring into the cup and you see the bread not only broken, but you see the, 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 the juice spilled out. And he says, this is my blood spilled or given, uh, poured out for you. It reminds us as we take that down that we are partakers in this salvation. That we are saved only by the work of Jesus. We're reminded, as the Bible tells us here, that he did this. It's poured out for many, for what? For the forgiveness of sins. We're reminded that our sin necessitated his death. This is a partaker's table. The urging of the Savior today is that you be a partaker with us. Not just an observer. Not only physically, but spiritually. He desires that we center our heart not only on the ritual, but on the reality that Jesus offered his body, that he opened his veins, that he forfeited his life, and that he did it for you. We do not have the privilege of leaving here unaltered by that. Having it merely be an external, a superficial matter. No, this is something that God designed, that Jesus made for us to take in. And it's not just a visual. It's meant to change us. We gather around a partaker's table, but also we gather around a purposed table. Who broke the bread here? The Lord Jesus did. Pilate didn't come in, and Caiaphas and uh, the Sanhedrin, they didn't come in and break it. Jesus broke it. Who poured the cup representing his blood here? It wasn't the Jewish leaders. It wasn't the Roman Caesar. Uh, it, it was Jesus himself who did it. This is no surprise to Jesus that this is happening. In Matthew 26, 53, probably my favorite verse, if I had to choose only one in the Bible, are Jesus' words when they come to arrest him just a few hours, midnight, on that Thursday. They come to arrest him, and Peter takes out his sword and slashes out against those who have come. And Jesus says, put that, put that up. And here's what he says back to, to Peter. He says, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels. Who's in control? Jesus is. It's been said that Jesus was crushed on the wheel of history when in actuality it was Jesus who was turning that very wheel that crushed him. He did this on purpose, folks. This is a purpose table we gather around. I was a police officer for many years and had a boss once, Lieutenant Veron. His first name was Zeke, but we called him Lieutenant Veron. Tough guy, big old, big old guy. And a tough guy, gruff and no nonsense. And you didn't want to be around him too long, you know. He's just an old, old school cop, you know. And I called him one night. He called me, actually. He was going to be out sick. And he said, Matt, you know, pass this information. He called me Matt. Pass this along to the guys, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and at the end of it, he said, okay, well, call me if you need anything. I love you. Bye. I thought, you love me, you know. <laughs> Mercy, you know. 
You know, some people you might be friends with, you might say, I, you know, I love you. You know, that's not unfamiliar. But in, in cop world, and with Lieutenant Veron, my boss, you know, uh, this did not happen, you know. I thought, oh, my goodness, he is sick, you know. He, <laughs> he called me back a little while later. He said, Matt, I, I want you to know I didn't mean that. Uh, I said, so you don't love me? I mean, what, I mean what? anyway, he didn't mean it. You've done that before. You think you're just used to talking to your wife or your husband. Hey, I love you. Or your mom, maybe I love you. Bye. And you realize, oh, my goodness, I didn't mean to say that to them. What a difference we see here, right? Not a Jesus who by an accident of history got caught up in something unpleasant and victimized by the governing authorities of his time. And something good happened to come out of it. Silver lining, yeah, after all, salvation and all that. No, no, no. Jesus could never stand before that room on that night, and he cannot stand before us today and say, I didn't mean it, right? It happened and all, but it was never my intention to be executed. I, mean, I just got caught up. It just got carried away. And uh, No, Jesus says, I could have uh, called 12 legions of angels and been done with this. And how good that would have felt to just drive that home to these wicked people who mistreated me. I mean, I walked into the town and those Pharisees called me teacher. And I'm the eternal son of God. Member of the triune Godhead from eternity past. I'm the one who opens and no man can shut. They call me teacher. How good it would have felt to say, Father, send him down. But he did not do it. He broke his body. No, no, they nailed it. They nailed, no, Jesus was in control. And this was on purpose. Jesus can look at us, each one, and he can say, listen, I meant what I did. I meant what I said. And I did it for you. Salvation is no happy accident. Came out of some unfortunate series of events. Jesus despised the shame of the cross. The Bible tells us that. He despised it. He was praying in that garden when they came to arrest him. And he had pleaded with his father, Oh, God, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He was sweating, the Bible says, as if great drops of blood and pleading with his disciples, please pray for me. Pray for me as they fell asleep over and over again. This is not a robot. This is someone who feared and felt shame over this cross. And yet, on purpose, went there. Praise God. We gather around a purposed table this morning. So that's what we're about to do. Just a moment. Our deacons are going to make their way here. And we're going to bring to you these elements. First, the bread. And then the cup for you to take. Uh, while that happens, Caitlin uh, will be playing for us. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to, when you're ready... Take the cup and then later take the bread. If you're here with a group of people or if you're leading a family today, I want you to have absolute freedom in this place.
to gather them up. You pray with and over them. Dads, moms, you, grandparents, you lead them. And no one's looking at you thinking, oh, you're, you're out of bounds or whatever. I want you to have this time. If you're a couple here today, you, pray, you hold hands, you pray together. If, I mean, if you need to do something different, you do it. Um, but we're going to have that time for you to take that when you're ready. This is open to Christians who, saving, who have placed saving faith in Jesus Christ. If you're a Methodist, that's okay for today. Uh, uh, it's open to believers in Jesus Christ. Um, and uh, so if that's you today, then uh, I want, you're invited to partake with us. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, here in a moment we're going to have a time of personal prayer. You can place your faith in him today. And I may ask you just to, to slide your hand up if that's you today so we can celebrate with you uh, as we pray. But if you need to place your faith there, you can do that this morning. Take it on your own when you're ready. Lead your family. Uh, parents, you make the best decision and the wisdom God gives you for your own children. And if you see somebody near you who needs some help in some way, why don't you help them? There are baskets here at the front. One basket. And there's a basket in the back. Uh, you can put your cups in um, after we're finished today. Um, we're going to have a time of personal preparation, a time of prayer while Caitlin plays for us. This is a time for you to think about yourself, to evaluate yourself, uh, to maybe repent of sin. The Bible says it is a danger to take this in an unworthy manner. I met a man in the back just a few moments ago uh, who was leaving. He said, uh, and he in tears hugged me, and he said, uh, I, I just don't feel like I can stay for this. I'm struggling with alcoholism, and, and went on from there. Um, and I told him, if you leave, I respect that, you know. Uh, but the Lord is not waiting for you to, to undertake some elaborate process for him to heal your heart, okay? So if you're today and you know there's something unresolved in you, there's something unworthy about the way you would approach this, if you don't do business with God, then take a few moments. Confess that sin. Put it before him. Ask him for deliverance and to make your heart right. He can do that, okay? He can do it for any of us. So we're going to take a time and pray uh, silently. I'll close us out in that prayer, and then our deacons will begin serving uh, these elements, okay?
not a single one of us in here is worthy to approach this table without the blood of Jesus covering our sins paying a cost that we deserve to pay Lord he hung there so that our sins could be forgiven and so we confess our sins to you this morning we pray you'll make us worthy to receive these elements and Lord as we do this that you would make it a true act of worship that changes us as we go from here today we pray it in Jesus' name ask our deacons to make their way forward. says in Isaiah 53 but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth yet it was the, the will of the Lord to crush him he has been put to grief. By this shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. sixth hour had come there was darkness 
over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled the sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw this and the way that he breathed his last he said truly this man was the son of God today we've taken a moment to remember the savior and this day is given by command of Scripture, that we do this to proclaim what? His death. That's what we've done here today. But aren't you glad that's not the end of the story? Here's one of my favorite turning points in the, the account of what, what we're celebrating today. In Luke chapter 24, we've looked at Thursday and we've looked at Friday. And Luke, uh, the Holy Spirit says this, but on the first day of the week, Aren't you glad for that? But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb. We're going to be gathered in this house on Easter Resurrection Sunday, a week from today, to celebrate that Jesus is alive. And all that that means for us. Let's make your heart ready and come be with us that day. As we can.